Our subject this morning is the remembrance. And it's been announced this morning already that uh, you've had a note to that effect. Um, that for the next three weeks, we want to be looking at the coming together of the Churches of God, or the Church of God in Manchester particularly, uh, coming together as a church in the three aspects where we are before the Lord. And the one we're looking at this morning is the remembrance. Next week we'll be looking at coming together as a church in prayer. And then the third one will be coming together to listen as a church to what God has to say to us from his word. These three aspects, these three coming together ecclesia, where it is a requirement of God, where we are collectively coming together. It's been brought to our attention over a number of years with the difficulty of COVID and the introduction of Zoom. And it's caused a little bit of confusion and it, it brought us to the conference of overseers earlier this year to discuss this matter about what it meant in church and when were we in church and when weren't we, uh, particularly concerning the coming together in Zoom. Now maybe I've got the easy bit because we're going to be looking at the remembrance and it was never really an issue about ever having the remembrance on Zoom because I think most people, certainly in churches of God, uh, accepted that it was a physical act of taking of the bread and the wine was a collective thing coming together and it was one loaf and one wine that was going to be used. So how could that be done on Zoom? I'm just mentioning this briefly because there are some in the body of Christ who did do that, where they had their own bread and their wine and they were on Zoom and they got something out of it. They decided that that's what they were going to do. It's dismissed, I think, quite easily because it's not collective. It's not, we're not using the same loaf. We're not using the same wine. And, but as an individual or individual people coming together to remember the Lord, that's fine. Uh, and that's uh, up to them, of course. We didn't do that because we feel that was definitely a collective thing. And that's why we stuck to that being a not an, uh, an in-church activity if it was on Zoom. We'll go into it in more detail about the, uh, the prayers and the ministry of the Word in relation to Zoom. So I don't want to say too much more about it other than the decision at conference was that if you're on Zoom, you're not together as the people of God. You're only on picture same as if it was a conference call on a telephone uh, where uh, you're not physically together and therefore that can't constitute us being in church. So just focusing now on this, uh, the remembrance, um, we have to physically come together and it's, it's quite easy, of course, now for us to talk about that because we've just been there. We've just had the remembrance. We get um, uh, references about coming before the Lord, going into the holy place, or coming before him at the throne of grace. 
And sometimes it can get a little bit confusing when we're talking about collective worship and the coming together of the church and coming into the presence. The, the reference that's used going into the holies is really primarily for the remembrance. It, of course, you, you get the, the connection, the physical connection in the Old Testament where you look at the study of the people of God who were Israel coming before God in the tabernacle or in the temple. And of course, that was very much a physical thing, but it was also, it was something where they gathered together and they came before him in a prescribed way. And they came uh, bringing an animal and bringing, and everything had to be done according to the laws of Moses. It was given by God and it was precise because it was a shadow of heavenly things. And I think that's where I, I really want to be starting is that the tabernacle was a shadow of heavenly things. And now what we are doing is what the Lord Jesus Christ revealed to the woman at the well in John 4 when he said that the, the time is coming and has now come when worship will be conducted in spirit and in truth. And so we were moving from the old covenant into a new covenant, which we're going to read about in a minute, where things were changing. And the shadow of heavenly things was uh, no longer a prescribed uh, necessity for the people of God on earth. And the reason for that was Christ had come. And he made the big difference. Before it was a shadow. Before it was a shadow of heavenly things. Before it was a case of the high priest uh, sprinkling the blood of an animal in order to atone for his own sins. And then to sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Because God had to see the shadow of the coming of his son. Now we move into what we just said about John 4. Now it's done in spirit and in truth. So let, let us just look at, uh, firstly, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8. I'm just going to jump about a few scriptures. Um, but again, as, as David said at the beginning uh, in the announcements, uh, when we come together uh, as, a, as a church for our church meeting, <laughs> um, if you want to take notes, if there's anything that's said that is confusing, if anything that's not clear, then hopefully we'll give you some opportunity to come back uh, and ask and, and ask for clarification or wh wh whatever. So please, if you're happy to take notes or just if you've got a good memory, fine. Um, um, but these uh, scriptures, maybe take a note of them. If you're not sure what they was, I can give you them later. So Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. 
If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there were already men who were offering the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. As I say, we have a high priest. Sometimes he's referred to as the great high priest. Sometimes he's referred to as the great priest. That what we've just read is the, the, the picture that's quite clear in Scripture that the Lord Jesus Christ did not become a priest until he had gone back into heaven. He was not a priest when he was here. And it was not until he had died on the cross and he had rose again and gone back to heaven that he then was given the responsibility <laughs> uh, where he intercedes on our behalf. He acts as a high priest, a great high priest, between mankind and God. So what is physically happening on a Lord's Day morning is that we in spirit go in to the presence of God and there before us is our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is there for a purpose. And he is there to take our offerings and provide them, or present them, I should say, to the great God of heaven. Now, it's called the holy place, or the most holy place, because in the tabernacle there were two places. There was a holy place and a most holy place. And the priesthood came in, the Levites were allowed to come in to the holy place and the most holy place was only the high priest once a year we are able to come into the presence of God now every week I want to just um, to, to look at uh, 1 Peter 2 and 4 there's another verse just to have in mind and to, to check as to why I'm using certain if I use words and expressions that you think well where do you get that I'm trying to back it up as much as I can. So 1 Peter 2 and verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, through Jesus Christ. I think that's quite clear. It's what I've just said. And it's backing it up. That's where I get it from. I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 as well now. And verse 19. Therefore brothers. Since we have confidence. To enter the most holy place. By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtains, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we possess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider 
how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's the coming day, the coming of the Lord, the end times, as we see the day coming. That's what it's referring to. When we come together into the holy place, we believe that that is what happened on the Lord's Day morning. There's references in Hebrews 4 to the throne of grace. It's probably the same place. It's, it's heaven. <laughs> it's where God is. But we think that refers more to the prayers. And Steve's going to be talking about that next week. About coming. And I would tend to think maybe a very simplistic way of looking at it is that on a Lord's Day morning as a holy priesthood, we go into the holies to give. We are coming with our hands filled. We are coming with our hearts full. And we are there to give to God as the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not going on a Lord's Day morning to ask for things. We're not going to talk to each other about things around us. We are going to give to God. And that is our prime function. Each one of us that is here, gathered together, we are going into the presence of God to give him. And that's why when we read it's necessary for our great high priest who's there to have something to offer. We have a responsibility in coming before him to make sure we've got something to give. And that includes sisters. It's more incumbent on men because... We have, as men, we have to vocalise. We have to go to the table and give thanks for the loaf and the wine. We have to lead the congregation in worship. But that does not mean that sisters don't need to bring anything or they, don't, or they can piggyback what men say. The importance, I think, is that it's together that we all come. And just like in the Old Testament when... Uh, an animal was, was brought it was brought by the head of the family for the family that they were involved in it and although it was the man that brought it it was for the family and, it, and there's a similarity there that, but together as a priesthood we come together men and women and when does that happen? there are certain things that are prescribed in scripture that are very clear it says you know that we should Remember our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because the Lord commanded it in the upper room. This do in remembrance of me. So that's the first thing. We read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 that they continued steadfastly. Now, what does that mean? Well, it meant it was pretty regular. It must have... What, I know you can maybe define steadfastness as, uh, in different ways. But it was something regular about it. And then you read in Acts chapter 20 that the early Christians, it says that they came together on the first day of the week to break bread. Now that's a pretty clear guidance for us if we need it. That A, it's got to be regular. It's the Lord Jesus Christ has commanded it. And how often should we do it? Well, if we take the guidance that the Holy Spirit was guiding the early Christians 
and they decided on the first day of the week to do it. How many days are there in the first day of the week? <laughs> it didn't say the first day of the month, the first day of the season, <coughs> the first day of the week. So there's a, I think there's quite a clear guidance there for a while. It's not directly stipulated that it must be on a Sunday morning. I think um, there are certain things in Scripture that are clear guidance from, the, from, from God. There's other times when elders get together to discuss and decide what is prudent and what is sensible and what we believe the Lord wants us to do. So I think we're quite clear as far as the remembrance is concerned that we're pretty guided by the Lord that it's the first day of the week regularly. The drawing near... I w again, it doesn't stipulate in Scripture at what point we actually go into the presence of God. But again, when brethren have discussed this together many years ago, long before my time, it was decided that when a brother gets up and goes to the table, that would make sense, would it not? That that's the point of entry into the holy presence of God. You can maybe say, well, it doesn't actually say that. True. But we've got to have a point of entry. And I think it's a, to make it clear and to give guidance, it was decided that that should be stipulated, that when the brother goes to the table, that is when we all together in spirit ascend into his presence. Now, what happens in, in practical, practical sense if somebody comes in late, well, the decision really is that if the brother had already gone to the table, he's already started to give his thanksgiving, that that person should just sit at the back and observe. Seems to make sense. That, again, we're looking at this as to looking at the, the holiness of God and the importance of what we're actually doing. Going back a little bit to the importance of the gathering and the preparation that how do we prepare for such a thing? Obviously in the Old Testament it was physical so it was quite clear. They went out into a field and they looked for the best uh, animal they could find and they would bring the best of the flock or the best of the herd or the best of the um, pigeons that they got or whatever and they would give that to God. In our preparation it is necessary for him, our great high priest, to have something to offer. So, I suppose a very simplistic way of looking at it is, if none of us had prepared, and if we all turned up here and none of us had got anything to give, we could not hold a remembrance. Because we'd all sit here like dummies. And the Lord Jesus Christ, as the great high priest, would be standing, waiting, and nothing would happen. Now, of course, that's never happened as far as I'm aware. How could that happen? But I'm just saying that just to give you a picture of how horrific that would be. So, it's equally then unacceptable, is it not? for any one of us to come with nothing. Because we're hoping 
and we're relying on somebody else giving when we are there because I've actually got nothing to offer. How do you offer spiritually? Well, what is the preparation? that? What is it that God wants from us in the remembrance? He wants us to give him thoughts of his son. He wants us, if you like, to give Christ. And by that, I mean that we are gathered to remember him. So therefore, our thoughts are all on Christ. And that's what God wants from us. He wants our thoughts on Christ. So what have we prepared? We should have it ready so that when we come into his presence, and although it's a brother that goes to the table and we take the bread and the wine, and although it's brethren that speak, and it's only the singing of praise that is brethren and sisters together, there is surely an opportunity, and I believe it's God-given the opportunity, that when a brother speaks in his preparation, that it will tie in to a lot of what you sisters have prepared. And you're able to say the amen to it because you link into it. And when the brother speaks and he gives his thoughts, that the Holy Spirit's been working. And that this is such a unique and a, a lovely experience that gives such great joy to God. He is ensuring that if these people's hearts are right and that their preparation is right, and that they've come in, come in the right spirit, that that opportunity and the giving, it goes up collectively. And although physically there's a brother here speaking, what is ascending to God is the prayers of the saints. That if you read in Revelation, is like the bowl of incense that is before the throne. And that ascends as a sweet-smelling savour. God is breathing it in. And that's how important it is. And it's coming from us all. And so maybe there's a greater responsibility from the men's point of view. Because if men didn't come and didn't speak, we wouldn't have a remembrance. So there has to be leadership there that's taken by men in order for the woman to come in behind and to give their portion on the back of it and to be able to say the Amen and to be able to sing the praises together that all ascend to God as a sweet-smelling savour. Just in, um, to conclude, I'd like to go to, back to the Hebrews 10 because there's just certain things there that stand out in Hebrews 10 and verses 19 through to 25. One is that we come with a true and sincere heart. Now I think that is mentioned in verse 22. What does that mean? I'm just wanting to back up in scripture what I was been saying earlier that we come prepared. We come with a true and sincere heart that we are coming to, to God and if we don't understand what's happening, if we're not appreciative of where we're going 
and what the purpose of it all is, then it's going to be very hard to click in, if you like, and to, to be prepared and to be able to enjoy it in its fullness. So therefore, we come with a true heart. That's got to be on your way there here. You can't just click into it at the last minute. So the preparation is done. And sometimes the argument is, when do you start preparing for the remembrance? Well, now at the end of the last remembrance, <laughs> start preparing for the next one. So that when you come into the, you're aware that you are going into heaven. You are spiritually going into the presence of God and before you is a high, great high priest with his hands out ready to receive your offering. You go in with a true heart, sincere heart, in full assurance of faith. Well, that, of course, speaks for itself because you might think to yourself, I haven't moved. I'm still sitting in this room. We have to, by faith, look at the scriptures that we've just been reading and believe. As we believe in our salvation, we believe our sins are forgiven, we believe the Holy Spirit indwells us. Well, is there any evidence of that? Can you show him? Well, it can be evidenced in your life. It's evidenced in your thoughts. It's evidenced in your speech. So therefore, when it says that we should come with full assurance of faith, it is by faith we believe that. Because if you believe that, you act on it. If you don't act on it, then maybe you're questioning, you're questioning it and you've not got the full faith. The third thing is that we come with hearts sprinkled to cleanse us. And there's a necessity that Satan is active trying to present, prevent our God receiving anything from us. So what he's going to do is he's going to fill your minds and your hearts with his things. If you're sitting in the presence of God thinking about that um, football match that went on last night, or you're sitting there thinking about that preparation that you're going to do to make a meal when you go home, then that is what I think it's referring to, is that we have to be cleansed. There's a necessity for hearts sprinkled, cleansed from the guilty conscience, focused on Christ. And we need to be washed with pure water. Well, we are washed with pure water. So what does that mean? Well, we need to be totally clean. We are totally clean. Is that not what the Lord said to Peter when, the, when he was washing Peter's feet and Peter tried to prevent him, you're not washing my feet. And he said, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. Oh, in that case, wash me all over. You're already washed all over. We are washed over by the blood of Christ. And we should never forget that, that we can come in, we draw near with a boldness. The boldness is not our own right, our own righteousness, or we've had a really good week, I've not sinned this week, therefore we can come to God. We come covered by the blood of Christ. That gives us a confidence. And so therefore we are washed all over. We are totally clean. Therefore we can enjoy the presence of God. He wouldn't let us in if we weren't clean. We wouldn't get in. 
It's only born-again Christians who are clean, who need to have the sprinkling, the washing of the hands and the feet, the cleansing of the world's filth, that we can then present our offerings to our great high priest who takes them, unworthy as they are, and he presents them to God absolutely perfect. That gives us the confidence. And if, brethren, there's a doubt or a, a hindrance or a reluctance to get on your feet and speak, what are you worried about? What God gets is going to be perfect. It's only the great high priest who's been here and totally understands what's going on in our minds and totally understands this world because he's been here and he's suffered and he's endured and he's seen it all. And he understands what you said. And if you make a mistake, if that's the way you look at it, if you say something is not incorrect, he's not going to present it to his father in that state. He present he takes it in love and he corrects it. He makes it holy and he gives it perfect to God. That is our responsibility. I've only got a very short time and I'd just like to leave with us the, our responsibility in the, to ensure not it's not us coming down and saying this is what you must do it's not God saying that he's saying that this is something that you can enjoy a lot more than you probably do if you are prepared to prepare a bit more if you're prepared to give your thoughts of Christ if you're coming actively with a sincere heart with a desire and love for God and for his things and if you're able to envisaging faith what is actually happening on a Lord's Day morning when we take the bread and we take the wine and we listen to the prayers of the saints and we sing together if you're actually in the presence of God does it not mean more does it not something that fires us up and it makes us long for and enjoy and really the only reason I wouldn't be here is I'm physically not able to get here for some reason. And God knows these things. He knows the heart. And he knows those who are unable to come here for reasons that he understands and appreciates. And those that are just gone cold. So my encouragement to all of us is that we think more of it and to look on this opportunity which we've managed to continue all through the COVID testing and we've enjoyed it. Let us enjoy it more so that it makes it more alive, more enjoyable, not just to us, but to God in heaven also. Shall we pray?